Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In this episode of Law Talks, Ellie is joined by Lefteris Papaginiakis, who discusses his role as the director of the Greek Council for Refugees. This episode contains some terms used when discussing refugees and asylum seekers. Pushbacks entail a variety of state measures aimed at forcing refugees and migrants out of their territory while obstructing access to applicable legal and procedural frameworks. So to start us off, could you please explain how you became director of the Greek Council of Refugees and what pathway did your career take to end you in this role? Yeah, so before I became the director of the Greek Council of Refugees, I worked in another NGO called Solidarity Now, and I was the head of advocacy research. And before that, I was the vice mayor of the city of Athens for migration and refugee issues. And before that, I was working at the University of Athens uh, as a public servant, etc. And I did uh, a lot of other things. Um, when I was working as a, when I was the, with the, the vice mayor for Athens, uh, I got to know almost all the NGOs who were active in, in Athens, but also in Greece, dealing with issues uh, of refugees, asylum integration, migration, etc. Uh, so everyone, basically everyone in the field. Uh, and when my term uh, ended, um, I, I entered the, the space of NGOs. Um, and I was also in the board of the Greek Council for Refugees. And at some point, our director changed uh, line of work and applied to, to become the, you know, for the, for the position. And the board, I designed from the board, etc. of course. Uh, and uh, through a process, I became I became the director of, of the Greek Council. Um, it was very it was very interesting process, and I'm very happy and very proud of the of the result of this 
if I can call it a journey. Thank you. And could you please explain what your main responsibilities as director are? So the main things that I do is I coordinate the teams with, by, by collaborating with the, the heads of the departments, the legal team, the, the social workers, psychologists, etc., the interpreters, but also the administrative team, which also has the programs unit, etc. Um, I represent the uh, organization in in a number of, of, of activities. Um, I also write articles, I do interviews, uh, I participate in conferences, I represent the organization in uh, meetings with uh, international NGOs. Uh, we are members, uh, the, the Greek Council is, is a member of, of a number of, of big umbrella organizations and I also represent us there. Uh, I do the contacts with uh, the government, um, the European Commission, political parties, etc. So basically, you know, I, I do a, a type of political advocacy, if you want, and representing representing the, the Greek Council. And I also, whenever it's possible, it is represent the Council in 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 activities that colleagues cannot uh, when colleagues cannot do it. I must to to step in, and also very important, I am the link between the organization and the board of of the Greek Council. So I answer for everything to the to the board of the of the Greek Council, and I convey also the guidelines and instructions of the board towards you know colleagues, which it's not a lot. I mean the, the guidelines are set by 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 our team, and we just. Uh, give a heads up to the council, to the board, and we try to, you know, uh, operate in the context of of the larger guidelines that the board has uh, uh, has decided uh, that the Greek council will operate be operating in. Um, yeah, basically that's it. So it's everyday operations, advocacy, political advocacy, and representation, if you want. Uh, thank you. That. It's an interesting, diverse role. So the majority of our listeners uh, tend to be based in the UK and are around sort of student university age. So from your role, please, could you explain what the refugee situation currently is in Greece? And then in conjunction with this, what is the aim of the Greek Council of Refugees? Look, for those who follow the issue of, of the, the, the refugee reality in, uh, in the EU, but also globally, uh, you know that Greece is uh, is has found herself in the center of all these debates for a number of years now, uh, especially after 2014-2015, with what we called, I disagree with the term, but that's another point, uh, refugee crisis. Um, Greece is placed in a in a very complicated area, the MENA region, uh, Middle East, and uh, and the Mediterranean region, so it's 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 a country that many things are happening in the same times. So the current situation is hasn't changed for the last years. Uh, we have uh, people coming in. The number you know goes up or down depending on the weather, but also depending on the conflicts in the area, but also depending on the political reality in the in the neighboring countries, especially Turkey. Uh, so what all, all the political um, events uh, affect the flow of people, how people move and when and in what numbers. Um, unfortunately, also during this period, 
Greece hasn't been um, fulfilling the role of, of the first exception country in the context of the EU uh, with respect to, to fundamental rights, as it is the objective, as you know, the EU uh, wants to guard the, the borders, but also with respect to fundamental rights, it's not happening. Um, it is a very difficult and, and complicated uh, reality. Uh, a lot of tensions. Um, I would mention a number of categories. Uh, if I can put you know, a name in, in what is happening in Greece, in the context of what we call the refugee crisis is, first of all, we uh, the government is is targeting migrants and refugees. It's vilifying them. The, the narrative is very toxic. Uh, unfortunately, Greece violates the human rights of migrants. We know that uh, it's not only NGOs that say that. Uh, the UN system is uh, is calling us out. Uh, the EU, in a sense, uh, the Council of Europe, etc. Uh, so pushbacks. And a very big thing and a you know very annoying thing I would say, and we fight that, and we try to advocate in order to uh, bring the issue uh, to keep the issue in in the public uh, debate, uh, and because of what we do, we are targeted um, from the government and we are vilified. Uh, we are considered in some cases to be the enemy of the enemies of the state, and it's not only in Greece that is happening. Eh? We know that this is happening also in Hungary and other countries. Um, because migration is a is a global issue and it's a very politicized issue uh, that creates a lot of uh, that produces a lot of toxic narrative, but also a lot of of, of tensions. Uh, but it's 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 a highly politicized issue, and it is political. I'm not saying it's not. It should be political, but not in the way it is uh, happening now. So I would say that these three categories of things that are happening, you know, targeting migrants, uh, violating their, their human rights, their fundamental rights, but and by protecting them or defending them, uh, NGOs get also targeted, put on the spot, by, by governments around Europe, but also around the world. Of course, there are difficulties in accessing asylum. The procedures have become very, very complicated because the government is adding layers of, of, of procedures and legally it makes accessing asylum very complicated. The fact, for example, that Greece has recognized Turkey as a safe third country is impeding on the capacity of people to access asylum. So there are a number of, of realities. And the last one, of course, is the the, uh, the agreement on the, on the new pact for asylum and migration in the EU that is also going to be, uh, it is a very bad, very bad compromise, and it's going to affect uh, access to asylum for, for migrants and refugees but also, by definition, violates their, their rights. So uh, things are still in the process of becoming worse. I don't know if we are going to see, uh, ever going to see something becoming better. I'm highly doubting it for the moment. Um, and also another point is the conditions of reception. Uh, we won interim measures in the last days against Greece because of the conditions of, of reception and, and uh, of reception of people in, in the new camps, in the new closed control camps who were paid by the European Union. And apparently the, the, the court at least recognized that these conditions are less than acceptable, far less than acceptable. So there is a number of things going on. It's changing all the time. But I think that the, the, you know, the, the, the broad lines of what is happening in Greece currently and what is the situation of people uh, is, is, you know, I think I presented them. 
The last point that I wanted to add is the lack of integration. The policy, the policy of integration at the national level is missing, and that means that people, for the moment, do not have a paved way towards legality or towards a normal life, if I can use this expression, which needs a lot of discussion, uh, and it's not for now, but it is an important point. Um, so yes, I would say that it's, things are, are quite bad, uh, getting worse, unfortunately, also in the last years, but also now. And there are a lot of details and a lot of points that we can develop, but it would take a lot of time to present everything. Uh, but the broad, the broad reality is what I described before. Thank you very much. That was a very um, clear and concise description of the kind of broad issues that refugees face in Greece. Could you tell us a little bit about the potential impacts of the new EU agreement on on refugees? As you know, the agreement for the moment is the is is a political agreement, but also a legal one. But we don't know the details, so. The details, meaning all of the, the documents that need to be uh, approved, all of the recommendations, etc., are not yet finalized. So in the next months or probably months, but before the election, the European one, uh, we will have the whole package. And uh, from what we can gather through information uh, of people who partic either participated in the negotiation either have a good knowledge of the negotiation. There are a number of very problematic points. A lot of them are uncertain for the moment because it's we don't know the details. Uh, but let me give you an example of, of what one of the procedures that is going to be implemented is. So someone steps foot into the union and he's fake. He There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's under what we call the border, uh, the border procedure. Um, because the procedure is going to change, uh, he might be under this procedure for a very long period of time, let's say 12 months, but in the same time, he will be considered not to have stepped foot in the Union. So he will be, for example, in, I don't know, a camp in the north of Greece under this procedure, but in the same time, he will not be considered to be in the Union because he's in a, in a virtual sphere of nothingness. So it's it's a complicated procedure that I don't have all the knowledge to to, to, to describe it, but to uh, keep people out of the EU, if you want, during this time he's not considered to be in the EU, so that he can benefit from all the rights of someone who is in the EU. So it's it's a way, if you want, to send a message to people who want to come into the EU that this is going to be very difficult for them. 
It's, it's what we call the deterrence approach. Um, also, there is uh, an increased detention period, even for asylum seekers, depending on which process they are under. It's the classic process or a, a, a faster process, a fast track process. So it's all of these very, very important points that we need to see how they will be presented in a legal document. And then we can be more specific. But from the initial information that we have, it's going to be a very bad, uh, a very bad compromise. Unfortunately, the European Parliament didn't manage to hold its ground. And uh, in the in in the context of of having a, a dossier, I mean, the, the voted the pact, um, it gave up a lot of of, of its positions, uh, which were more you know uh, targeted towards the respect of human rights, fundamental rights, uh, values of the EU, etc. So in the context of, of speeding up the procedure, unfortunately the the, the European Parliament gave up uh, to this uh, uh, gave up its position and it's the council that is coming out if you want a victor from this procedure and as you know the council represents the member states and the member states have an approach that is very hostile so we need to wait for the details but from whatever we can gather from information going around it's a very bad document unfortunately thank you and yeah this is something that i hope you will learn more about and we'll follow uh, as our podcast as well and you've touched on this slightly talking about the complexity of the asylum procedure our podcast is mainly for aspiring lawyers so do you mind touching slightly on like the legal problems that refugees face in particular look the first very important point is the fact that in 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 some cases they cannot access asylum first of all because as i as i mentioned they are pushed back so they do not have the opportunity to apply for asylum or if they apply they're not in Greece in order to defend their application, for example. And we have a number of, of cases. And some of these cases are now in front of the uh, the European Court for Human Rights. And we are waiting on, 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 the, on the decision of the court to see if a pushback is going to be recognized. For the moment, we don't have that type of decision. We are hopeful because we have, unfortunately, some good cases that are presented before the court. And we are waiting for, for some decisions. And it will be useful for the advocacy for the organizations are doing uh, if the court recognizes that there is a member state doing pushbacks also the procedure sometimes is speeding up and it's as you know it doesn't give the time though we don't prepare people for their asylum but it's 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 a fast track procedure and sometimes not all the uh, conditions are there for for uh, uh, you know safeguarding the procedure uh, sometimes it's the other way around, which is good in, in some cases. Uh, in order to speed up the process and to limit the, the backlog, sometimes asylum is granted only by uh, reviewing the dossier, etc. So it depends on the reality or, or, or the flows, if you want. Uh, in some cases, as I mentioned also, uh, people who come from Turkey uh, need to prove that they're, they're not in danger in Turkey in order to be later on to be able to apply for asylum in Greece. If they cannot prove that they're in danger in Turkey, they have to be to be returned to Turkey. That's the principle of the the safe flight country, which is it's very problematic. Uh, to prove that point is that only two countries have recognized Turkey as a safe flight country: Greece and Hungary. So that tells a lot about the, the political uh, aspect of this uh, decision and this approach. Um, yeah, some in some cases, there are no lawyers present. 
or no interpreter. So the procedure is very complicated, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's 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 becoming increasingly complicated to 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 apply uh, for asylum and to uh, you know defend uh, one's application. Um, okay, of course there is a long procedure ahead. Uh, you can go in the second degree and then defend it in the courts, etc. But the main, the main issue, I would say, apart from the complicated legal proceedings, is the uh, uh, possibility to access the system of asylum. So the pushbacks, long detention periods, um, bad reception conditions, etc. Uh, so yeah, it's an uphill battle, if you want. Even the, in the legal context, it's it's uphill. So we've done um, as well. We've done some research on like access to justice, and yeah, it's a very it's a very similar it's a very similar discussion access to justice and access to asylum it's a it's a i don't know if i can call it a parallel procedure but the the obstacles if you want and the layers of difficulty that the states not invent but create or or bring uh, on it's pretty similar i would say during our volunteering time in athens we had the opportunity to meet some of the lawyers who work for the greek council of refugees so could you tell us about some of the legal cases that they typically cover oh the, i think that the, the the biggest number of cases concerns classic asylum cases you know uh, applying and then uh, passing the procedure uh, and then of course we have um, I don't want to, maybe the word is bad, it is, is wrongly used, but more important cases in front of the European Court. So strategic litigation, if you want, like we can call it that. Uh, and a lot of interim measures to the European Court also in order to protect people who enter the, the territory illegally, meaning without documents, because as you know, many people found themselves in the, the borders, especially in the land borders of Everest, or they, they come into an island and we send inter the request for interim measures in order to protect them. So the court orders the Greek authorities to take care of them, uh, I allow them to access asylum, feed them, give them housing, etc. Host them, basically not housing, but put them in a camp, uh, or, or take all the necessary measures in order to protect them. So the big bulk, I would say, it's asylum and uh, protecting people from uh, while they enter into the territory, in the numbers, I mean. And then you have very specific cases. I mean, we have case, uh, some cases of people who were, uh, of course, denied asylum, and then we move on, you know, and we continue the procedure. And also people who uh, saw their asylum revoked for national security reasons, for example. And we uh, defend them also in order to keep their asylum uh, going, their status valid, etc. So. This is the big bulk, I would say, of cases. Uh, this is everyday life. Of course, we have family reunification cases. We have victims of torture, uh, GBV, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's it's a variety, if you want, of of uh, cases. But the number, the big number of cases, concern asylum in general. Thank you. It's interesting to hear the kind of wide range of legal cases that the council deal with. Um, and as I've mentioned in the interview, a lot of our listeners are still in that kind of training stage. And we believe quite a large majority are interested in, uh, well, particularly working in law, but uh, have an interest in human rights, refugee law. What would be your advice for listeners uh, who aspire to either work with NGOs or law firms that specialize in refugee law? <laughs> uh, I would say that they have to be prepared, uh, you know, and willing and able to to take a fight, you know, and, and pick a fight with 
with the authorities because it's, as I mentioned, a very complicated uh, procedure. And it, of course, you have to keep in mind that it's that the procedures are very different in, uh, depending on the country that you find yourself in, working or applying. I mean, uh, you know that unfortunately, there is no unified asylum system. Uh, so it depends on the country that you work, uh, how the system is set up. Um, so my advice is to be ready to, to for long procedures, maybe depending on the country again. I'm not talking about the UK, uh, not even Greece, I would say. We're getting there, unfortunately, but we are not there yet. So being targeted by authorities, having to deal with uh, complicated and complex uh, procedures, hostile authorities and uh, institutions, um, yeah, and uh, heartache because not all cases go well. And because it's a very, there is a, a, a big, there is a lot of sentiment put in these procedures because you represent people who look for a better future and come from, usually, in the large majority of cases, from face very bad uh, realities where they come from. And they are very, very hopeful. And you need to manage also their expectations. So you are not only a lawyer, you are also sometimes some kind of, of a psychologist, if you want. Also, you do a lot of management of, of, of expectation, of feelings, of hopes. So it's it's a very complicated and, and, and hard job to do. It's very fulfilling and it's very rewarding, I would say also in the same context. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot of commitment to be, to be you know, you have to have a lot of commitment when you do this type of, of work. Um, in the same time, because as I mentioned, it's a very politicized and a very political issue. You have to have some political instinct. And yeah, in the end, you take a political stand by doing it. People who work in this context, asylum, uh, representing migrants, asylum seekers, refugees, uh, working in the NGO world, etc. They take a political stand. Whatever we do every day, in our everyday life, and I think I mentioned that when we met, it's it's a political act. So you take a stand, and you have to be able to defend it. It's not easy. I'm not saying that it's for everyone, but it's very interesting. It's very engaging, and it's very challenging. I would say. Thank you. I think that's a really great insight into a very emotive and uh, at times incredibly challenging job. Thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns
When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.